Well, good morning. Some time ago, some time ago, I was leaving the church office, and Chad catches me and hands me a CD and says, hey, I put a couple of my songs on a CD, and, and I just want you to take it home, listen to it, and just kind of tell me what you think. I said, okay. So uh, we live in Ulagoff, so it's about a 12-minute drive, and so Chris, I put, it, I, I put it in, and I'm listening to it on the way home. And music, I love worship music. It, it moves me. It brings me to the throne of God. It just does. And so uh, I'm listening to, to this song, all right, that Chad actually wrote and put together. And I'm listening to it on the way home. And so I'm driving north on 169. By the second time I listen to it, I'm bawling. And I think people are probably driving by thinking I've got some emotional problem I'm going through. But really, I'm just listening to this song. And uh, I listen to it a third time. And I'm just really just, you know, having a great worship time. And then I get home and in the driveway, and I'm kind of wiping the tears out from my eyes. And I thought, I better call Chad to let him know what I think about his song. Man, it just kind of moved me. And so I called him, and I said, hey, you know that song and about the moon and this and that? And he goes, yeah. And I said, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Actually, I love it. I love it. It's, it's such a reflection of Psalm 145 as well. Uh, That song is describing how incredible God is and how we should be in awe of who he is. And in Psalm 145, David does an incredible job of writing down the words that God inspired him with and and to create Psalm 145. Uh, In the Jewish um, culture at that time, um, they would recite it. They would recite Psalm 145 three times, twice in the morning. And one time in the evening, he really wanted people to get it, right? Um, also, uh, in the Hebrew language, actually, um, this is a song, right? And sometimes they would call them chants. And basically, they, with, with a stanza, they would, he would begin the stanza with a, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which helped people to remember it. He wanted people to understand and to know that we should be in awe of who God really is. And man, that's what Psalm 145 is, and I appreciate the fact that we've already read it together as a congregation, and and I want to just just look at it and and share three things that I notice about Psalm 145. Um, It's just an incredible, incredible psalm. I believe that we should be in awe of God because of, number one, because of who He is, just who He is. We should be in awe of God because of who he is. In verses 1 through 3, he said, David says, I will exalt you, my God, my king, and praise your name forever and forever. Not just when you do something good for me, not just when you provide something for me, but I'm going to exalt you and praise you forever and ever. In fact, in verse 2, he says, I will praise you every day, not just on Sunday, not just occasionally when I open up my, in my, the Word or uh, I have a time with God. Every, every day I'm going to praise you. And then again, he says, I'm going to praise you forever. And then in verse 3, he says, great is the Lord. He is the most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. He said, basically, there's no way we can even fathom, even come close to come to even the understanding of how incredible God really is. Well, he does a really good job of explaining that 
I think, in Psalm 145. But even then, we still can't truly grasp it. I'll never forget going to Arizona about a year ago. And I went to visit Pastor Jonathan Hoyt, who actually happened to be here for our vacation Bible school at this campus. And all the kids got to know him and his wife and his kids, his family, the week of vacation Bible school this, this week or this, this year. We made crafts, and these crafts actually are going to be sent to Arizona, and they can use these crafts as they minister to the Navajo and Apache Indians there in Arizona. So myself and Anthony Nesson, one of our church members, we go to Arizona, we meet up with Jonathan, and he wants to take us around to the 10 different churches. We didn't go to 10 different churches. He wanted to take us to some of the 10 churches that he oversees, but he's also a pastor of his church. We end up in a town of Chinle, Arizona. Chinley, Arizona. We got to have lunch, meet some pastors, have a really nice time of uh, just kind of hanging out with some people, learning more about their culture and who they are. And then Pastor Hoyt says, I got to take you guys to Canyon Deshay. It's right around the corner here outside of town. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's pretty cool. Let's go. And so we go to Canyon Deshay. And we walk up to, I think there's, there's six overview, uh, overlook places you can go to, and we went to one of them. And we got to walk up to this, I think it was a rock or brick wall, and there was Canyon Deshay. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Because see, those trees aren't tiny little trees. They're not like eight-foot trees. They're huge trees in the bottom of this canyon, but they look tiny. And then you've got the little river that runs through there, and you're thinking, that's a little stream. No, that's a river. It just looks tiny because of how big the canyon really is, and I am in awe of this canyon. It was like anything, like unlike I've, anything I've ever seen in my life before. It was huge. It was unbelievable. And then as we're looking at this up top, pastor says, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? I'm like, no, I haven't been to the Grand Canyon. He goes, it's pretty grand. <laughs> and he basically explained to me Canyon de Shea is just a little tiny canyon compared to the Grand Canyon. And he explained that to me. And this week I've been thinking through that as we look at Psalm 145 and David's wanting us to really grasp how big and how incredible God is. I couldn't help to think about my visit to, to Chin Lee and, and Canyon de Shea and, and to really think that's, that's kind of how we are as believers, really, let's be honest. We're human, and we really can't grasp. Kind of like me, I couldn't grasp how big and how mighty the Grand Canyon is because I'd never been there before, but yet I thought Canyon de Shea was the biggest canyon in the world at the time because of how my first experience there. We're kind of that way in the way that we view God and how we see him. And I want us to look real quick here again and continue on. Number one, We should be in awe of God because of who he is. Now, me personally, there are some experiences that I have in life that just cause me to be in awe of who he is more than other experiences. Those experiences are when I am actually standing somewhere or sitting somewhere or laying somewhere and I can see the stars. For whatever, that that just does it for me. Several years back, my son Connor and I went out on my boat in Lake Uluga'a. 
And we go out to the middle of the lake, we anchor up, and we, I, I actually lay on the back of the boat, he's on the front of the boat, and we're watching a meteorite shower that was planned and that they put on the news to tell everybody about. And we're watching these meteorites just fly by. It was the most incredible experience. And then you can just see the stars really well because you don't have the city lights. You're way out in the rural area, and it was just a clear night. It was unbelievable, and this brought me into this awe of who God really was. It was an incredible, incredible moment. We were there about an hour and a half. We counted, I think, 32 meteorites that we saw fly by. It was an incredible moment. We even had a couple of bats fly over us, and that's when we left. I'm like, okay, I'm a bad father. I'm not a very good man, but let's get out of here. We left and had a good night. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget being in Buffalo, Oklahoma, out near the panhandle where I used to be a youth pastor. It's so flat out there, and on a clear night, you can look out on the horizon, down the street actually, and see stars down the street. And you can just see them like no other place in the world. It's incredible. For me, that's, it's, it's stars, it's space, it's the moon, it's planets. I talked to some of you guys this week as I was preparing. For some of you, you'd say, you know what, it's when I went to Colorado and saw the incredible mountains. For others, it was like, you know, it's when I see storms coming from a distance. And I can see the lightning and I can see the storms change and form. That brings me in awe of who God is. He's so powerful. Another person that says, when my first child came into this earth, that whole experience was just incredible and it brought me into the awe of who God really is. For all of us, we have different experiences. We should embrace those experiences. I love what Psalm 19.1 says. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. We should be in awe of God because, number one, because of who he is. Number two, we should be in awe of God because of what he's done and what he continues to do. Now, when David put together this psalm, or this, this song, or this chant, depending on what scholars believe at this time, but when he put this together, this is pre-Jesus time, right? So David is reflecting, I believe, on his own life. I need to be in awe of who God is because what he's done for me. You know, David and Goliath, right? You know the story. I love preaching. There's so, many, so much meaning in that story, but David and Goliath, the world says, David, there's no way you can beat that guy. He's nine feet tall. You're a small lad. And God intervened and helped him in that situation of protection. Then he had the situation with Saul, and he protected him from that situation. Then Bathsheba came around, and he made a mistake, and then God came back around and said, I have mercy on you. I forgive you. You can be used by me. And he experienced God's grace and his mercy. And David's reflecting on how incredible God is based upon all of his experiences. And we also need to be in awe of God because of what he continues to do. And as you know, we're now... 2017, and God continues to be God, and I couldn't help to, to look within our own church of what God is doing with the mission, and within a month or so, we're going to be breaking ground on a new mission where more people are going to be able to hear the gospel. More people are going to be able to hear, uh, get food, and get clothing, and furniture, and, and get assistance, and get help. It's going to be an incredible moment. We have the car care clinic where yesterday, uh, 20, how many, Rob? 
20, 25, 25 people had their cars worked on and, and they, they prayed with them and loved them and represented Christ and represented our church. I can't help to think about the ministry that's going on in Arizona. Our Arizona mission team just got back this weekend from having a Bible conference with the Navajo and Apache women. And Pastor Chris and his team just got back from Nicaragua this weekend where they shared the gospel with thousands of people through baseball and through different ministries there. And I just got back with a team from England, I think three or four weeks ago, where we got to go in into the schools and we got to love on kids and, and the teachers and the principals. And they came back out at the end of the week and we got to share the gospel. And we saw 14 people receive Christ. And ministry still continues in England, which happens to be a very dark country spiritually. The most common name for a young boy for many, many years in England was George because of all the kings, right? And I'm not making a racist comment, but now the most common name is Mohammed. Because now there's a different religion, a different group of people that are in England. And everyone needs to know Christ. And so therefore, all the churches that once were thriving, all the cathedrals and buildings that used to be thriving where some of the greatest revivals started in England are now closed, collecting cobwebs and dust. Or they're open and only about an average of 22 people per church attend every Sunday in, in, in England. Then we have people in Papua New Guinea who are helping ministries that translate Bibles, actually create Bible in the language for a specific group of people in Papua New Guinea. We have another couple who is in a country I can't tell you the name of. It's very dangerous. And they're also working with Wycliffe Ministries where they actually are helping create the language for a specific people group so that they can have their own Bible one day. And then we've got Mexico, that's ministry that's happening in Mexico. We've got ministry that's happening in Cambodia. We're going to go there in September. And then we've got New York, Bronx, actually the Bronx, where ministry, they're planning a church in, in the Bronx that we're partnering with. Ministry continues. God continues to be God everywhere, even today. Secondly, we've got to be in awe of God because what he's done and what he continues to do. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And that's the greatest thing he's ever done for any of us, is to leave a perfect heaven and come down to a dirty world and to live life here, to show love and to show God's mercy and to teach us and have influence on us and then die on the cross to take our punishment, to take, to take our punishment and for our sins, he did that for us so that we may have eternal life and have a relationship with him. Should we be in awe of that? Yes, we should be in awe of what God has done for us and what he'll continue to do for us. And let us not forget that Jesus at one day pulled his 12 together and he says, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm leaving my ministry with you. And he's saying, listen, this world, you, in this world you will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. And many of us in this room, I know many of your stories, some of them are in the past, some of them are current, and some of us are going to have uh, tough times and stories in the days ahead. But God is still God, even in the midst of trouble and strife. But he says, I have overcome the world. We should be in awe of that. And I hope that we would embrace those moments and continue to look for him, even in tough times, as David did. 
We should be in awe of God because of who he is. We should be in awe of God because of what he's done and what he's going to continue to do. We all, number three, we also should be in awe of God because of our opportunity to have a relationship with him. For some of us in this room, we should be in awe of God because we have a relationship with him. There may be others in the room where you should be in awe of God because you have the opportunity and you can have a relationship with him starting today if that's something that you choose for your life. If that's something you choose for your life. Just yesterday, actually it was just last night, I talked with Jordan. Jordan and Becky are in the Bronx. Chris got to spend some time with Jordan uh, two months ago, I believe. And I got to spend some time with them back in December. Jordan and Becky. Becky is from this church, went through the student ministry years here and, and was here during college and so forth and married Jordan and God called them to start a church in the Bronx. Isn't that awesome? They're starting a church in the Bronx. And we're partnering with them, saying we believe in you. And we want to help you. We're going to support you and with resources. And we want to support you with labor. We want to send teams and help you start this church. There are a few other churches who are helping them as well. And a church in Arkansas said, we're coming. What can we do for you? Jordan says, you know what? We're getting our church, we're getting it started. And we're meeting in this, this karate facility and we need some help passing out thousands of flyers to people in the area so that they know there's a church nearby where they can get some help or they can come attend our church. And that's what they did. They went out and then they got rid of all these flyers that told about the church and had information on there that they could contact. And it got, one of those flyers got into the hand of a 52-year-old lady. Her name is Mercedes. She grew up in Brooklyn but she'd been living in the Bronx for 13 years. Never heard the name of Jesus in the, in the, in the Bronx in the 13, she, 13 years she lived there, and no one had ever invited her to church. And some old hillbilly from Arkansas walked up and said, here's a flyer, would you like to come to church? I'm one myself, I can say that. So. And she took the flyer, and she's like, you know, I've got to check this out. I don't, I don't check this out. And so she goes. And she attends the church. God began tugging at her heart. She had a rough past. She had some issues. Even came from a religion that was just real strict, where if you left that religion, your family's not going to like it. But God kept pulling at her heart. Make a long story short, she attended a Bible study days after that first worship service. She began to ask questions. She's given her life to Christ. And now she's the one that's passing out the flyers saying, you got to come to our church. She still has questions. She still has struggles. But Jordan and Becky are helping her through it. She never, she told Jordan, I never thought I could have a relationship with God. That she just couldn't understand that. How God would forgive her of all the mistakes that she had made. All the trouble she had been involved in in her lifetime. And they kept pouring in scripture and reaching and, and, and just investing in her life. And she finally said, this is something I got to do. And it may be that you're here today and you're thinking the same thing. Many of us have been there. I want you to know that today, 
you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That can happen today. We're talking about how we need to be in awe of God today. We should be in awe of God because of who he is, because of what he's done for us and what he's going to continue to do, because of our opportunity to have a relationship with him. 2 Timothy 3 through 4, basically he's saying here, um, I want everyone, he says, I want everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. I want a relationship with everyone, no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from. You can have that today. S.M. Lockridge is now in heaven. Pastor S.M. Lockridge. He was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church, San Diego, California, from 1953 to 1993. He received many honorary degrees over the years, preached all over the world. He was on the faculty of the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. He was highly respected by many. He could preach. He could preach. And you see, as you know, God sent Jesus to earth so that we may know him, experience him. And he is God. And S.M. Lockridge, in his own way, describes who God really is by using the Bible and experiences from the Bible. And in closing, I would love for you to listen and watch S.M. Lockridge describe this God to you. Let's watch. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He 
discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. He asked the question, do you know him? Did you hear it? He's not asking, do you know about him? He's asking, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? There's two types of people here today. Those who know him, you live for him. You're a believer in Christ. But it could be that the relationship you have with him Maybe it isn't the way it should be. And today's a great day to say, you know what? I'm going to make a change. I'm going to spend more time with him. I'm going to talk with him more. I'm going to read his love letter to me more. I'm going to worship him more. I'm going to let him know that I'm in awe of him more than I do. Then there's a second type of person that's here. It means you're bad. This means that there's never been a time in your life where you said, you know what? I want a relationship with you, God. I want to live for you. I want to know you. I want to be with you. And if that is you, make that same decision that Mercedes made in the Bronx. We'd love to talk with you. You may be with a family member or a friend that you highly respect and look up to spiritually. I want to encourage you to talk with them. Start your relationship with Christ today. So everybody in the room, including me, we have a way to respond to today's message. And I'm going to ask that you respond to today's message in the way that you need to respond to today's message, his word. Would you stand and I'd like to pray and then we're going to have a time of invitation where you can come and pray at the altar. You can pray where you are. Come see Pastor Chris. Come see me. 
We'd love to tell you more about how you can start a relationship with Christ today and be in awe of him.